Today's guest is an author of a mere four cookery books with her latest just hitting the shelves. She is London-based, world-renowned nutritionist with a plethora of celebrity clients and abundance of celebrated success stories. On top of all of this, there's a hefty social media following with a legion of dedicated, passionate fans, or fans passionate, about her take on positive nutrition and delicious, achievable recipes. These are just some of the credentials that come with this week's guest. This week, I'm in the kitchen of Amelia Freer. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Lovely we've, to have you here. We've already done a lot of chatting. <laughs> so we've probably got nothing to say. We can just finish this now. <laughs> um, we have to start by talking about this gorgeous kitchen because, and I knew it would be good. I Aww, knew it. Um, but you. talk us through it because this is a really phenomenal space. This is huge and... Well, it was funny when Talk we moved into the house, my husband thought that we didn't need to put a new kitchen and he thought that the one what? that was here was perfectly <laughs> fine. I was like, mm, do you know me? Um, but yeah, as you can see, because we've got the doors to the garden at the end, I really only had two walls to work with. So I knew... Two me, huge walls two, to work with. For me, it was <laughs> yeah, very yeah. clear what to do. Uh, I'm passionate about drawers um, <laughs> as opposed to cupboards. Yeah. And I like to have open shelves so I can have all of the things that I love. And for me, I just, I like it because it's a really calm light bright space I didn't want to bring in too much color because hopefully the food is colorful yeah and um yeah I don't know it's just a happy place for me it is a really beautiful very calm as you said very calm space thank um, you what were in terms of the credentials when you knew when you came in you saw this kitchen space and you said right I this needs re- redoing what were the musts for you other than drawers I had really set my heart on an incredible fridge. <laughs> and <laughs> you've seen the fridge. Gasped. I actually did it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I literally get excited every single day when I open my fridge door. You should. Um, it was. It was. You know, just I'm embarrassed about the amount of money that it cost, but I just knew that I wanted this fridge, and so I saved and saved, and yeah. I'm still paying for it. But it's worth it. Yeah. Um, so I, I did. I did fork out for a very large, wide sub-zero fridge. But I mean, I use. It's floor to ceiling. Yeah. The ceilings aren't that low. It is literally the first thing that came to my mind was like, I could get in this fridge. Yeah. Have you ever got in the fridge? Has anyone got in your fridge? Not yet, but maybe we'll try that next time we have a party. (laughs) That is the most impressive fridge I think I've ever seen. I do feel entirely envious. But then, yeah, for other things, I like to have an island with seats that we're sitting on because I like to have people to chat while I prepare food and when I'm cooking and, um, and to be able to see people. But I am a bit... Um, possessive of the space around the oven when I'm cooking I can't bear anyone getting in my way same so I'm really like you you sit over there yeah yeah and we can talk but do not step into my uh, yeah. field and that's why I've put the sort of toaster uh, coffee maker kettle and in that drawer beneath there is all of the cups and mugs and everything so if someone wants to come in and make a cup of tea or coffee they're still not invading my space yeah. I mean does that make me sound a bit precious not at all <laughs> it makes I wish that I had done a similar thing because I have the bin in the middle of my island under like and somehow whenever I'm cooking my husband is stood oh, yeah. in the I'm, I like turn around and I'm like in the, I'm like what I'm just like, what are you doing you know and then all of a sudden you're like having a lovely dinner and now you're really annoyed so I think this this is did, the first thing I'm taking away from I this did conversation think it through yeah people talk about the kind of holy three of like how you work and use your kitchen but that is like the fourth yes exactly <laughs> like, keep exactly people, keep people out, out of, of your way, way. I know you split your time between here and the countryside. Yes, um, yes. How does that kitchen vary to this? 
Um, it's pretty similar because, again, I like the open shelves. Yeah. I like to have all of my utensils, the things that I use, I like to have them ready to hand. Yeah. Can't bear having things shoved away in a drawer or a cupboard that you have to get out, plug in every single time. So I yeah. just like the open space. So it's not that dissimilar, actually, to this, but um, the sink isn't in the island. That's okay. the only And colour palette-wise, is it the kind um, of light, calm grey? No, gray? it's it's darker because it's a it's an old Elizabethan house with sort of dark panelled walls. So it, it's sort of more in keeping with the house yeah. um, to look old. But it's still a gorgeous space to cook from. Oh, my goodness. With amazing big windows. And, and can you look over your <clears throat> um, veggie patch? I can't quite see the veggie patch from the kitchen, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm pro- I enjoy cooking a lot more in the countryside because I can go out to the vegetable patch and, you know, pick the produce and uh, it's just a dream for yeah. me. So I do do a lot of cooking there. It sounds like for anyone that might be the dream. <laughs> <laughs> it is the dream. <laughs> um, and I guess I should ask, like, how important then is this space within your home? Does everyone gravitate to the kitchen space or have always. you got another? Yeah, yeah it is, always. It's the always. case, isn't it? And I, I've always found that in whatever home I've lived in, yeah. it's always the kitchen space. So that's why I've sort of got my daughter's play kitchen here as well, yeah. because she likes to cook with me and be involved. And I like to be able to see her when I'm cooking. Yeah. Um, and then people always come and sit and chat. So, yeah, it's the heart of, of it's true. my homes. I feel like um, even if you have a very small kitchen space and you have done kind of gone to all the effort to make your dining table or however you know your setup is as gorgeous as possible everyone will still, still gravitate, gravitate to the kitchen what is, and like crap like you can literally not be moving and everyone well it's where the food is happening and it's where someone's cooking and it's yeah. always the most the interesting part the drinks yeah. yeah and I always think people want to chat to you when you're cooking yeah or see what's going on or learn about it yeah. so uh, although I sometimes I do really enjoy cooking alone and cooking in quiet and having my own space. So sometimes I say to Nick, will you just get everyone out? Because sometimes, <laughs> you know, if you need to concentrate, yeah. for me, it's quite a sort of meditation almost yeah. um, prepping things. And if you're making small talk at the same time, it could get a bit, you kind I, of, I can get lose my track a bit. Yeah, I think there is something quite meditative. And I think like for some people that is absolutely not the case but I think if you have that I always for me I would come home from work and be like what am I going to cook like how am I going to unwind and that was like that was the way yeah for me too it's always been my sort of source of therapy the thing that I would look forward to the thing that would wind down the end of the day and certainly in the old days pre having a daughter um, you know weekends were just these long hours that would stretch ahead of me and I think what am I going to create and I just experiment and I loved it and I really really miss having that same kind of time because now food is much more functional and much faster and um you just I just don't have the same kind of time or the same kind of energy and when I occasionally get it it's just like oh my god (laughs) this is it I've got an hour alone (laughs) in the kitchen I can cook nap times yes (laughs) it's all around the nap times (laughs) so as a nutritionist and author of four books um do how strictly do you practice what you preach Oh, I really do. I mean, I really, I, I think my my career's evolved very organically in that I didn't really set out to have this career. Right. I studied nutrition um, for my own selfish reasons in that, I, you know, my health was really challenged and I wanted to learn about nutrition and understand it. And even when we graduated, I don't think I was particularly confident that I was going to be, you know, uh, as successful as I've been. Um, but I think because I really do, um, I, I do 
preach it. And I'm always very honest that I'm not perfect. I don't believe that anyone has to be perfect. I think it's very clear to, it's very important to make that clear. Um, but I absolutely believe in healthy eating and I, and I feel, you know, the difference yeah. uh, all, all of the time. So, and I do believe in cooking from scratch. And um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is very, it's I mean, lifestyle. from the food side, probably like the other parts of, of wellness and, and health, like um, getting enough sleep and doing regular exercise, yeah. they're much more of a challenge for me. Right. And probably the areas that I need to focus on, but health eating comes very easily to me. And is the whole family on board? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says this. <laughs> Uh, no, and for, I mean my daughter. Yes, she's amazing. Obviously, she doesn't really uh, know much. You know, she's yeah. she's been learning about food through me. So that's been a really joyful process to to sort of watch her relationship with food evolve. And, and would you ever? Would she ever kind of have a McDonald's or a? Well, she hasn't yet. Um, I would never say never because you know this is real life and and we we live in this world. Yeah. But it probably it probably wouldn't be for me. No, because um, I wouldn't get pleasure out of you know eating a McDonald's. But yeah. I mean, I'm sure there'll come a time in her life. But I mean, you know, if if she goes out sometimes for pizza or she'll have ice cream, she she I think it's pretty normal and balanced. But I don't buy processed or junk food at home and give it to her because I don't feel that she needs you know it's not yeah. something that she's missing out on but of course if she goes to a party like she's at a birthday party now I'm sure she's going to come back with high on some sugar. chocolate <laughs> wild and unruly <laughs> yeah but I mean I think I think as long as for, for me that at the moment my job is to introduce her to as wide a variety of different nutrients and flavors and tastes and textures and really cultivate a healthy balanced relationship with food and at the yeah. moment um so far so good so she's on board she's on board my husband um is definitely i mean he's he's totally on board and, and supportive of my career and my knowledge he gets it and when he he goes through long periods of time when he's super healthy and sort of preaches to me about how amazing it is and how good he feels i'm like <laughs> I love really that. you don't say um so he, he doesn't sort of challenge me as such but he definitely has periods where he falls off off it and he goes to lots of meetings and eats all the biscuits that get you know it's just silly things that yeah. in life why do we need to put a tray of biscuits out um at a meeting and serve that with coffee and you know that sort of stuff so he definitely falls off track but he really loves junk food um <laughs> it's 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 just in him and right. so he's always going to get excited about you know um things that probably don't excite me okay I feel like that I was a long feel, answer. No, no, no. I feel like I can feel your pain. Like <laughs> my husband's vegetarian, but yet loves the the kind of junk food side of it as well. So okay, yeah. We have near us um, a place called Temple of Satan, which leads me nicely onto the next question: Is what are your thoughts around vegan fast food? Because that's exactly what it is. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, there's lots of people uh, going vegan, and of course, I'm incredibly supportive of it, so long as they're eating a balanced nutritious diet but the problem is I think a lot of people just aren't so I understand that they're being vegan for moral and ethical reasons but from a nutritional point of view their diets are going to be really lacking in key nutrients and you know that catches up with people eventually so um I don't know I haven't tried much vegan fast food but I have heard about it I mean this is quite a good one oh really (laughs) yeah it is it is um if you were to say um kind of to give advice to people going vegan, what would you say are there like the three key ingredients that I would like, you know, that you'd make sure you keep in your diet to kind of get enough protein? Well, yes, it's, it, I mean, I always balance. get shocked when vegans say to me, what 
are the vegan sources of protein. I'm like, you can't go vegan and not actually have yeah. Googled something like that and educated yourself on yeah. what your protein sources are because obviously it's vital to have protein at every single meal and you need to be eating a different variety of the protein sources in order to get the complete amino acid profile, which we need to be eating every single day. So um, I would say it's obviously the pulses, like the chickpeas, lentils, yeah. um, the butter beans, nuts and seeds. You've got probably some soya, like tofu. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be the the three main yeah. vegan protein Someone sources. also said to me that cauliflower actually has a lot of protein in. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not good with stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I feel like something that I've heard a lot is that the gut is the second kind of brain of the body. Mm. Like how much would you agree with that? What do no, you think? for a long time, we've referred, um, certainly in nutritional science, we've referred to the, the gut as the second brain. And there's there's now, you know, a wonderful amount of research coming out to show how the brain can affect the gut and the gut can affect the brain and how they're in constant communication. So I'm a huge supporter, of course, of supporting our gut health. And, you know, we've always known that when people feel really healthy, sometimes, you know, suddenly they, when, when people eat healthily, they're feeling so much better. Yeah. And now there's that sort of question, oh, oh is it also because it's enhancing our brains. I mean, we're still at very early days of understanding the gut microbiome and how it, it, it enhances our health. Um, but at the moment, the current advice is to make sure that we're eating 30 different plants each week. So that can include, obviously, that's fruits and vegetables, but it can also include nuts and seeds and herbs and spices. Um, so that's the aim. And that's okay. when we say eat the rainbow or aim yeah. for it for a wide and diverse diet. Because do you know what? I actually think you're one of the people that um, I had read something about how you need to, you actually support positive nutrition, the addition of all the kind of good things for you. Yes. To, to consume those as often as possible. So I love actually, I was reading in your book that you've just released, which we will get to. Um, <laughs> but I was reading the about, you know, kind of every meal, every snack, like think about the additional kind of the seeds or the nuts that you could add yes. to it or the extra protein or yes. extra greenery. And I kind of love that because it's actually really stuck with me. It feels like manageable. And you're oh, like, I'm so glad. Yes. I think for too long, people have approached healthy eating, you know, certainly clients that I've worked with. And from my experience, I've obviously been practicing nutrition for well over a decade now but it's always sort of approached with um what to restrict what to avoid yeah and actually we just sort of missed the point that healthy eating is about eating a really you know nutritious uh, nutritious diet and making sure that we're eating all of these different um foods that we have available to us so I've always said to people get out of your comfort zones you know don't just eat broccoli and apples every yeah. week I mean it's great that you're eating them but every week try and you know try a few new vegetables a few new fruits get in connection with what's in season at different times of year. That's what excites me eating seasonally yeah. is that I kind of know my diet's changing all the time throughout the year according to what nature provides us, which yeah. is very exciting. And also, I guess you're getting that second hit. If you're like, if you're kind of farming your own vegetables and herbs and like, you're going to enjoy that, like double it. Like you're going to sit there and feel extra pleased. <laughs> it, it is. It is very special. Yeah. yeah. There's something. And also, the, I, I always think like the flavor, the there is definitely something that sets that kind of vegetable, like you're farming your own food. Well, There's something it's all really about special. the soil, the soil quality, because nowadays apparently our soils are just so depleted in nutrients yeah. that even if we're eating a really healthy diet, maybe there's this question of like, are we getting all of the nutrients that we actually need in order to thrive? Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about sort of improving 
the microbiome in our soil yeah. at home and in, in the kitchen garden and um, doing every, and, and it's early days. I'm not going to be able to advise you on it because I'm still learning about it. Unfortunately, yeah. my sister-in-law is a brilliant gardener and she's really clued up on this. So um, I've, I kind of feel excited that I'm actually able to improve the nutritional content of the food that we're growing yeah. by being really supportive and, and um, nurturing towards yeah. the soil. Because the thing is, is it about like crop rotation? So it's like not just the same yes. kind of depletion. Yes. So we've always done that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're sort of making our own compost and, um, you know, which can really help improve, improve the nutrition. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm like, I'm selling up. I'm moving down. Like, I'm really, do you know, my nan lives in the countryside and she, one of her um, neighbours every week turns up with eggs from his So pens. lovely. And uh, in there, he, in with the bag, he, he puts a, like a cauliflower, carrots, potato, like... I'm like, it, it doesn't just get better so than special. that. Yeah. Yeah. And she pays him 80p. Oh, that's <laughs> so lovely. sweet. I like, love this exchange. They don't really see each other. She leaves him notes. He, like, oh, it's very sweet. That is just so sweet. Four books in, that's a lot of recipes to write. And I guess, you know, I'm curious to know where you get your inspiration from. Um, I've always been, I mean, I'm not, I'm not someone that's actually able to follow a recipe. So I'm very yeah. visual. I love, you know, if I look on Pinterest or if I open a magazine and see a recipe that looks delicious, I'll just sort of try and create that myself, but I'll never follow Same. the recipe. Yeah. So for me, writing recipes was initially incredibly hard. In fact, with my first book, I remember, you know, I was a new author and my publishers were, I, I don't know, I, I was, I, I it sort of, I think I needed a bit more hand holding perhaps, but I remember them saying, can you, you know, do some recipes? And I was like, oh, okay. So I sort of, did a few and, and, you know, just cooking at home alone. I had the time and I would sort of scribble them down and then they would come back with all these questions. I was like, oh God, I have to go out and buy all of the ingredients again and follow the recipe and do this. Anyway, there was very few recipes in that first book because I just didn't really understand the process. Um, and then obviously I've learned, I've learned now, but really cooking for me is, is I, it's, it's totally led by my mood yeah. and then what I've got available to me. So, yeah. you know, I'll open the cupboard and see and think, Hmm, okay, I've got this, but I do have quite a sort of simple equation with pretty much all meals is I need to choose a source of protein. Yeah. I need to get in at least two or three portions of vegetables. I need to get in some healthy fats and I need to get in some complex carbohydrate. So it's like a, it's always an equation for me and all of the recipes in this And it's like your starting point. So you yeah. will always think of the nutritional content and then you'll think about the flavors that will sit I'll always go that. protein okay. first, get some vegetables, and then how am I going to make this exciting? Yeah. So that's why herbs and spices are a key part of my cooking because, you know, you have to have flavor. Yeah, absolutely. And also I think to be excited about the food you're eating means that you're going to want to, you want to eat it you want to make it again I think there's oh, like always, it's so yeah. important which is why cookery books like this I love like my stack next to my bed is just getting out of hand <laughs> it's like but I just I love to just sit and flick through oh, and it's just like I there's agree. something just a really calming it's such a joyful process I never cook from recipes but I just love looking through yeah. them and getting ideas yeah. unless it's baking that's the only time that I would follow a recipe rigidly because I'm really a rubbish baker yeah. and I think you know you can't mess around it's with a baking yeah exactly. I think it's a whole different type of cook exactly baking. in terms of how you grew up was there any influences you know what did food look like growing up what was well, the kind of first exciting meal that really registered for you yeah, I've been thinking about this. I mean, my mum's a really good cook and she always would cook a, a sort of an evening family meal. Yeah. Um, and in, she worked. 
so, you know, I guess what I remember is sort of toast and cereal, normal things for breakfast, and then we'd have lunch at school. But she would always cook an evening meal. Yeah. Um, but she would entertain a lot. So I think what I remember really was she would she she always takes great pride in how she displays food. Yeah. And she would always do big voluminous, and it would always look incredible and big bowls and a lovely selection. So I think that's sort of what I really remember is when she would entertain, and it was always quite Were you impressive. Part of that? Were you and quite, to- wow. Um, no, I mean, my poor mum, she really, oh well, no, she tried to get me interested in cooking for years and I had zero interest. I don't know. I mean, I think when I was younger, I would have happily lived on toaster Marmite if I could have. Um, I wasn't a big foodie. I didn't really love food. I definitely had no connection with it. My mum would always cook and she would always want me to get involved so and teach me about cooking and zero interest. So I think she was quite worried about me when I finally left home and moved to London. I think she just thought, oh my God. She is just going to live on toast to Marmite. I probably did for a while. <laughs> and so um, she would never have dreamt up this career in for you, a this million lifestyle. years. In fact, I've got up there the first cookbook that she ever gave me, which is Delia Smith's Complete Guide. And in the front Amazing. of it, she went, Darling, please learn to cook. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I keep that just, you know, obviously I've never done a single recipe in there, but I keep it just for <laughs> sentimental reasons. So I think she literally cannot believe that I, A, suddenly became so passionate about food and engaged with food Amazing. and then taught myself to cook and now actually do cookbooks. She just can't believe it. She's terribly proud, but it's a very different type of cooking yeah. to hers and def- very different type of food. So Would you go and, do you often cook for her? Does she appreciate your, your style of cooking? Um, I think she's... Yeah, probably. I think she, uh, <laughs> I'm like I don't want to get head. told off by my mum. I don't think she loves my style of cooking. I think she's a bit more old school when, yeah. you know, sort of 1980s. That's what I think of. Two when fat I think ladies of her like cooking. a lot of yeah. full fat. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Lots of cream, lots of sauces. But I mean, she, 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 yeah, she was a great cook. So I, did, I was definitely, I, and she did have a grow some of her own vegetables for a while. So um, I guess the foundation was there, but yeah. I just had to fi- make, fi- you know, find my own way. Yeah. And in terms of you kind of speak about there was a necessity to kind of overhaul your lifestyle and what you were nourishing your body with or not. Mm. What was kind of, what was that impetus? Was it just eating kind of the junk food? Actually, I read somewhere and I wasn't, I didn't actually write this down, but I read that you were a PA for Prince Charles. That's right. That is a bonkers job. <laughs> oh, it was a lovely job. Well, I hope he wasn't eating the trashy food too. What was going no, on? <laughs> I had no input on how he ate. Um, but no, I think I was just a young girl. I'd moved to the city. I suddenly, you know, where we grew up in the countryside, I didn't have access to yeah. fast food, to convenience food. So suddenly, like the idea of a Marks and Spencer's ready-made meal was so exciting to me. And obviously, because I didn't have a clue how to cook it. And just like croissants and baguettes and sandwiches and crisps and chocolate and... I just, and, and, and I just survived on lots and lots of sugary tea. Yeah. I mean, when I first learned about nutrition, the first thing I remember learning was that my diet was completely beige. Right. And it's something that's always stuck with me whenever I work with clients. That realization. I just like point out, we, we need to have color in our diets. And I just obviously had no connection to that. But um, once I started to learn it, it, it very quickly became apparent. And that's probably why my food is now so flavorful and colorful because... Yeah. Um, I think once I re-educated my taste buds, I realized how bland and dull my diet was. And you have to admit, on a hangover day, like when you have only eaten all the beige things, like you don't, you don't ever feel better for it, put it that way. Never. You always feel even more disgusting. What's your favorite hangover food? 
um, I'm probably like a disgusting either super noodles or the pasta and <laughs> sauce, like the broccoli one. It's so revolting <laughs> and so synthetic. I'm always tuna and sweet corn. With mayonnaise. Uh, with lots of salt and pepper and mayonnaise. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's just always, yeah. Yeah. That's what I crave. It's a fun, like, <laughs> it's so revolting, isn't it? Also, I have earned... I feel like throughout these podcasts, there's this will come up numerous times, but I really am passionate about butter and mayonnaise and cheese. Yeah, and I'm with you. Are you? Yeah. So, but are these not the things that you should be moderating or cutting out? I mean, it's sensible to be moderate, but I wouldn't say we have to cut them out at all. I mean, for me in the past, dairy really was an issue for me. So I probably didn't eat many of those things. Um, but now I'm a lot better. And so I'm able to have them moderately. Um, I mean, I would probably go for really good quality, yeah. which is quite important to me. I wouldn't be buying the sort of plastic cheese that I call or the sugar-filled mayonnaise, but I think you can get really is good Hellman, quality. Is Hellman sugar-filled? Uh, I don't know. I probably. Okay. I'll have to have a look. <laughs> like to there's nothing thing. wrong with these things in moderation. Yeah. It's just like, I'm sure that you also eat an incredible diet. So I don't think, it, I, I always like to focus on, you mentioned earlier, positive nutrition. Yes. It's not about the things that we need to be avoiding or think that are bad for us in, in inverted commas. It's just always about making sure that we're eating a wide variety of different nutritious, healthy foods every day and thinking about what we need to be eating rather than what we shouldn't. Yeah. There's, of course, there has to be room for the things that give us pleasure. And if that's Hellman's mayonnaise for you and, you know, <laughs> so or pot noodle. Oh. My husband loves pot noodles. But I do, everything else is kind of home cooked. I wouldn't, yeah. I'd never go and buy like a, red, a, a ready a ready meal. A ready-made meal. Yeah. No, yeah. rarely. Yeah. No, I'm nor just, me. Yeah. I think because also the pleasure in making something is also part of the process. They just never taste good. No. Never taste good. I mean, the few occasions... When I think I've gone down that path just for, I don't know, necessity, it's just so disappointing. And it's like, God, I mean, I yeah. even feel like that if I go out to a restaurant, if it's not amazing food that I can't make myself, I just sort of feel disappointed. Yeah, always. I guess one of the other things that I'm really curious about, um, being as I have an expert, is um, over time, I, f I feel like we're constantly bombarded, surrounded by different fads, diets, tricks, tips. Atkins this that I don't know I'm so out of date I don't know what decade I'm in um but you know what how do how do we navigate it oh I think we've got to apply some general common sense um to it all you know nutritional science is really evolving so we're we are going to be learning a lot more now but the the fact that you know I don't know however many years ago we were told not to eat eggs and then now we know that it's okay I mean that's just nutritional science evolving so it's always yeah. going to happen and it's exciting that nutritional science is being more investigative and there's more money and emphasis going into the role that nutrition plays in our health. So I think that's not really going to change. Um, but I think the common principles of a healthy diet remain common for us all. And it's just the nuances for us as unique individuals that we need yeah. to be more in tune with. And instead of following a fad or what your best friend does or what your neighbor does, just being more connected to ourselves and working out what's right for us. You know, for me, dairy doesn't really agree with me or it didn't really agree with me. Um, but that's not to say that it doesn't agree with everyone else and yeah. that people should give it up. So I always think be led by symptoms, become in tune with your body and how you're feeling and you'll be guided, you know, be yeah. your own doctors and learn what, what a sensible diet is for you rather than following all of the different trends. Yeah. Cause I often find as well, those trends and the, like, as soon as you decide you're on a diet, it's all of a sudden you're kind of building yourself up for disappointment, failure, all of those extra pressures that actually, I don't know that that cultivates a positive mindset to begin with. And, I mean, 
hands down, diets don't work. Right. <laughs> there, there is not a single diet out there that works. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a multi-million pound industry. Right. Because unfortunately, they're, they're either too extreme. They're, they're sort of periods of time that people might be able to embark on a certain way of eating. But um, it, it, it is always a restrictive way of eating, yeah. which very few hum, human beings are able to embark on, you know, for life or for long periods of time. Yeah. So I'm always about helping people to get a sort of a more balanced approach that they can imagine doing long term. Yeah. Because it's the it's the habits that it's we form long term that influence our health. It's not like having a pot noodle here or there is not going to have a big impact on your health. But it's the things Definitely that you do not every, in a positive way. <laughs> it's the things that you do every single day that have a big impact on your yeah. health. So I'd rather just say try just eating an extra portion of vegetables every day. Because if you add that up over ten years, that's three thousand six hundred and fifty portions of vegetables. Yeah, that I love it's that. great. That's, yeah. you know, that's really good for us. So don't sweat the small things. Don't, you know, we have to accommodate the, the importance of our social and emotional and yeah. culinary health as well. You know, that's yeah. an exciting and important part of food. And I suppose my goal is that we can have both. We should be able to have both yeah. the nutritional science and the social and emotional joy that food can bring. Yeah, which I love because you speak about this actually, like the how the importance of that social joy and enjoying food and drink with people, you know, that too is nourishing. Well, that's something that I, I'm really lucky to have always had that, like throughout my nutrition training, I've I've always still enjoyed food and I've always, you know, nourished my social and emotional health with with food in that way. So I was quite shocked when suddenly healthy eating became so faddy and became restrictive and to realize that a lot of people had turned it into this really joyless, obsessive um, sort of regime mentality. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I talk about it so much, because it was such a shock to me that it could become that and, and really sad because that's absolutely not what healthy eating should be. Yeah. If it's a form of stress, it's not good for us. Yeah. So therefore take the pressure off, relax a bit, find a way that's comfortable and easy for you as a unique individual, rather than believing that you have to be perfect because we don't have to be perfect to be powerful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And in terms of your, you know, you have a new client come, come to you. What is your kind of first conversation with them? How, like, where does that process start? How are you going to make the biggest impact that's, you know, that's going to keep them on track? Well, unlike, you know, doctors who only have sort of 10 minutes to information gather and give advice, uh, you know, I get an hour and a half for a first meeting with a client. So it's very much about them telling their story, having opportunity to really look at their entire health history, because you don't suddenly wake up one day with a symptom, Right. you know, you have to look at what what the pathway has been for the symptom to present itself. Yeah. And, you know, nutritional therapy is always looking at the underlying root cause of people's health. So it's a lot of information gathering and it's a great chance to for the client to really sort of become more connected and in tune with their health because most people aren't. We tend to ignore these things yeah, until... You know, it, it gets it gets so bad that then we suddenly start to seek health uh, help. So, um, and so there's a there's yeah there's a long there's a long process. It's very rare that someone walks in and I'm just like right, do this 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 and this. Right, right, right. Um, it's and it's it's really a collaboration. Um, I don't have a magic wand, and I'm always very clear with clients because sometimes clients expect that they just want you to do the work for them and I just don't work with those clients I I am very clear that it's a collaboration I can support them I can guide them I can share my knowledge with them but they have to be the ones to embrace it and be ready to make the kind of lifestyle changes that we discuss but obviously it's all about them they decide I make sure that whatever the the sort of three key things that they leave that first appointment with can be really simple things and sometimes it's not even about food 
Um, but it's sort of they've decided to commit to them and they're excited about them and they leave feeling empowered and positive. It's always for me. I mean, that's the joy of working one on one with someone is it's really personalized nutrition. You can really meet that individual in front of you, understand them and set goals that are realistic for them. Whereas, you know, I've learned probably, you know, I've made some mistakes with books is is that when you're doing something so generalized, you don't know the individuals reading it and how they're going to interpret that information. So it's very different doing personalized nutrition and then speaking publicly about nutrition um, because you don't get that opportunity to work with the individual. But, you know, if I have a client who comes to me and they don't know how to cook and they only eat ready-made meals, I'm not going to tell them to go away and sprout their lentils and, you know, make their own hummus. Um, (laughs) My job is to help them find the next best thing. So it might just be the healthiest ready-made meals possible. And that's doing my job. You know, it's not about, I don't have a my way or the highway approach where everyone has to eat absolutely perfectly. Otherwise they're failing. Yeah. And how often, so someone signs Mm -hmm. up with you, how often are they checking back in with you? What's the kind of how long how does that process look um I tend to take clients on for three months initially um if they've got a lot of health issues and it's a long-term thing then it'll be six months and sometimes it's a year so sometimes if clients need a lot of support we sort of agree on a year's a a year's support because that's actually how long it takes to make um you know long-term important change I don't uh, well it has been reported that some clients get quick results that's just because their bodies responded really well to them making they were obviously making some some sensible (laughs) dietary changes but um, but ideally, you know, the longer I can work with someone, the more impactful it is. And, you know, the clients that get results with me are the ones that commit to the process. Yeah, of course. It is about, um, I think so often it's about like willpower, but it's a cha- it is a change of lifestyle to yeah, an extent. It's a massive change of lifestyle. And I don't think it, I don't think willpower is enough, really. You know, yeah. we've got to um, have a better connection with the reasons why we want to make changes. And so if people are doing it from a place of self-loathing, and wanting to escape something that they don't like about themselves, that very rarely sticks as as the situation changes, that willpower is going to fade. Right. So it has to be a more positive thing of like, I'm worth it. So, uh, you know, a lot of nutritional therapy actually goes into people's emotional health and, and, and well-being. Yeah. And uh, are they able to embrace sort of self-care practices and self-love? Because that's sort of usually at the root cause, at root uh, of it of it all yeah that's so interesting and yeah no of course yeah <laughs> mm. I guess there's always so there's always a bigger picture isn't there and it, like often you know I find myself reading things and it's all about kind of redeveloping or reworking those habits because everything gets so kind of so habitual that actually you're not even thinking about what you're doing what you're consuming before you know it you know you've eaten whatever it is that's in front of you you're not even registering that you're eating totally and that happens to us all myself included <laughs> you know we we get we get stuck in ruts especially when yeah. life gets busy and we are all busy aren't we yeah. and life is so fast-paced now so uh, I think it's always good to just I, I always challenge my diet I never believe you know lots, sometimes people say you eat dairy I thought you didn't eat dairy it's like well that was a few years ago now I'm changing it and then I might go through a period of not eating dairy again yeah or, or you know something else I think for Listening me obviously it's body. my profession to to always be challenging and, and trying and engaging but but if ever I feel that I'm sort of disconnected from my food habits, I just keep a food diary right. just for a few days. And then it reminds me what's going on, what new habits come in. I mean, I think for me, it's changed so much over the last two years since having Willow, my daughter, because 
I, I sort of I have a rule that I won't cook separate food for her. I don't believe in children's food versus yeah. grown up food. I don't like the children's I like menu. The sound of that. I hate. Yeah. And and I just don't want to um I think I've learned from too many other women and clients that, you know, if you go down that path of cooking for your children, then you end up not feeding yourself and nourishing right. yourself well. So we all eat the same food, um, and that's just something that I decided from the very beginning. But of course because the food, you know, for a, a period I was weaning her so it was all purees yeah. and then it had to be sort of finger food so obviously my diet has been massively influenced by willows and of course I want her to have a diverse diet so I don't, there's no reason to restrict dairy or gluten or um, other foods from her diet so therefore I'm eating them all now so I am quite out of control of it like as in I used it used to just be me that I had to think of, of whereas now I'm thinking of willow and that means that I can sometimes really get disconnected from my food habits and so keeping a food diary is always my go-to yeah and what's your thoughts on meditation and taking time out to just be calm and be in nature like I feel like at the moment it's very much like find your calm place be mindful yeah I think it's so important in fact I think it's becoming more important than anything I don't think people are able to make dietary changes or big long-term lifestyle changes if they don't have good coping uh, mechanisms or yeah. support for the the stress that we're all I think you know going through yeah um, I mean I, I, I did learn to meditate a few years ago with a lovely lady called Gillian Lavender who runs the London Meditation Center I think it's called um, and she was so great she taught me and she taught me that actually it's not about emptying your mind and being completely still sitting in the most uncomfortable position yeah um, she's just much more real and yeah. down to earth and so that really helped me get through a very um, difficult period in my life and I, I was doing it religiously yeah now I definitely don't do it every day um, I try to when I can but I don't beat myself up and I think probably the most important thing and that's really the sort of message coming through with my new book is we've all got to stop beating ourselves up so much yeah. it's impossible to do everything that the well-being world is telling us we need to yeah. do and I think I, I wrote a post about it on Instagram recently that just people seem to really resonate with just saying good enough is enough yeah absolutely and actually you know yeah if, if you're feeling a bit stressed and you can get outside and you know hug a tree or just yeah, go for yeah. a little walk in nature I think we're going to, we know that that's beneficial for us. And yeah. if, if meditation speaks to you and you have the opportunity to embrace that. And then if other days, it's just like adding a few more vegetables into your diet, like all of those things add up and they're contributing positively towards our health. And we just need to take the pressure off and stop trying to be perfect. Like I said earlier, we don't need yeah. to be perfect to be powerful. Yes. I think, yeah, I absolutely agree. All of that resonates so much. Just really listening like take the time to listen to your body also I mean and we were kind of we spoke about it before we started recording so which is unhelpful <laughs> but it's you know social media I think the climate that we're all living in and trying to everyone's trying to achieve everything all the time at a million miles per hour I mm. think you know it's this more than ever is kind of needed I think I, I I agree I think that social media is of course there is there are lots of positives so I don't mean to sound negative about it, but I'm definitely struggling to to see how it's being positive for us. I think big brands who can spend a lot of money and and, and have like official teams to to do that kind of work, then yeah. great that it's easy for them to thrive. But for individuals who are just working freelance and running our own businesses, it's a huge demand to keep up with. Yeah. And I don't okay. think consumers maybe understand how much money and time and energy many of us are putting into keeping our social media things going and actually for me it's not a source of income it's just something that I feel I have to do to uh, promote my work and it was it was originally something 
that was that was meant to be sort of inspiring and powerful but now it's people have instant access to you someone described it as like leaving your front door open and just inviting any kind of stranger to come in and have an opinion on your life or yeah. you know or you and actually i think you know the whole trolling experience that you know that, that that's have become, you experienced that? oh i have i have it's been horrible that's um gosh i hadn't so, even thought that that would be yeah yeah, I definitely have had some, I, not so much now, but I've definitely had some really unpleasant experiences. I, one man said to me, we hope you die in a pool of shame. He was a personal trainer who didn't like the advice that I was giving and decided to uh, send balanced. me that message. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I, think that there's, I think there's a lot that we need to question about it. And for me, definitely, I, I, I'm sort of finding my way of, of, of yeah. just... Do it, doing it, uh, trying, to, you know, to share positive messages, yeah. but I don't spend my life looking at it. And I certainly make sure I take a break. And at weekends, that's family time. And I just don't want to be looking at my phone all the time. Yeah. It's a bizarre obsession. Yeah. It's, and I think it's taking up so much of people's time. And then they're saying, I just don't have time to cook or I don't have time to exercise yeah. or I don't have time to meditate. You've just lost two hours or I on don't your phone. have time to... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I remember writing it in one of my books. Like if you have time for Facebook, you have time to make a healthy meal. Because, you know, again, the theme of my new book is all about actually it doesn't have to be. It's called Simply Good For You because yeah. it doesn't have to be as complicated as we've maybe been led to believe. And it shouldn't be taking hours and hours. And of course, if we've got the time to sprout our mung beans and cook our chickpeas from scratch by soaking them overnight, etc. And, you know, doing fancy, wonderful, creative things with food, then that's amazing. Yeah. But I suppose I'm working with everyday real life. Yeah. And these these recipes are short and sweet and very, very simple using, you know, ingredients that we've already hopefully got in our cupboards um, yeah. in order to, you know, still be able to uh, simplify life. But I did say if you've got time for Facebook, you've got time for healthy so cooking true. and I just I think it is eating into our mental health in a in a damaging way yeah which yeah. it is a bit I mean, but then equally so brilliant and such an amazing way to reach people well, that's how we met I and know, I've, exactly, made, I've yes. made some amazing friends through Instagram yeah. and of course there are loads of times that it's been incredibly inspiring and the people that you know the people that are doing incredibly wonderful yeah. creative things so I know I I, I, I say it again I, I I do sound really negative about it but I think that's just where I'm at with it yeah. and, and I'm finding it a huge but, drain on time yeah. and and I, I don't know how to you know financially make sense of the amount of time that I invest in Instagram Indeed. versus running my own business yeah um so I think f for me that's yeah it sounds really negative no but. not do you know what I think for everyone and I'm sure everyone can really relate to this that you go through peaks and troughs one minute you like and I try and do it so when I'm feeling like super positive and I'm really excited and I'm feeling inspired by what I see I get on there and I leave positive comments and I enjoy it and then when you find that that's actually you're not feeling that that day don't go on it like yeah, you know try exactly. and just navigate it yeah you do leave lovely comments I try you to are so positive and, and kind be nice or don't say anything at all <laughs> quite right yes. <laughs> so we should go back to the book which for you are the recipes that really resonate the most which do you go back to and cook time and time again which ones would you share with friends well, I think the the uh, I'll just tell you about how the book sort of came yeah, about. Yes, of course. Was Sorry, I missed that. No, 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 no. It's just it's just because it's sort of it, it's an interesting story. So when I first gave birth to my daughter Willow, um, I was absolutely floored by just exhaustion and breastfeeding made me so hungry, and the right. lack of sleep really does increase one's appetite, or it did for me. Um, but of course, I just didn't have the time to cook, and I was I mean I, had, I did have, you know, I had batch cooked, and I did have a freezer full of stuff, but I remember just eating so much toast 
And and then, you know, a lot of my healthcare practices sort of fell away in those early stages, which is very common. It's survival. You're just Yeah, surviving. exactly. Um, but I remember at one point thinking, okay, I'm really not thriving here. I really, I know what I need to do. I need to start eating better. But, oh my God, I just don't have time. You know, I'd just finish one breastfeeding round and then she'd wake up and need the next. And no, it, right, it, right. like, it's really, you know, time consuming. So um, I thought, how can I make toast a complete meal? Right. And that was kind of how this whole idea of the book came about. I decided to just record everything that I ate in this really busy, busy, hectic time to see how I could make complete meals in really minimal amounts of time. And so I spoke to my publisher and they loved the idea. And that's kind of how the book came about. So there's a whole section in the book called Hero Toppings, which is just how to make toast a complete meal. Okay, tell us. So, well, (laughs) it's actually one of the sandwiches that I did today. So again, it's using that little simple sum that I told you earlier. You need a source of protein. You need some fiber, uh, some vegetables. You need some healthy fats. Um, So there's just a whole section of different foods that are sort of easily available. So like today I made you hummus with um, some toasted pumpkin seeds and some peppers out of a jar and um, some greens from a bag. I mean, it takes seconds, but that's the kind of thing that I was surviving on in those early days. And I remember making sort of packets of smoked mackerel with spinach because I was like, I need some protein, I need some greens. Boom, I can do that and it takes minutes. So the point of the book really is that it's, it's just sort of really really simple yeah but nourishing meals obviously everything that I do is with nourishment at its heart but just with speed because I just didn't have the time and I know that so many people say that they just don't have the time and because life is so busy I wanted to I wanted to crack it I wanted to find you have this book is absolutely I went through it being like that and also I whenever I go through cuckoo books this is hysterical but I always think which recipes could my husband pull together like what could he do because he doesn't really cook but he loves food and yes and there were so many things in there that I was just earmarking being like that's for him that's that's great top of the page for him bottom for me the thing is it's really it's really for this sort of unconfident cooks I really want I didn't want it to be a sophisticated cookbook you know I'm not ashamed of how simple these recipes are yeah because again as I say this is everyday real life which is what most of us are doing day in day out absolutely And so I wanted these to be the solutions. There's instant meals for those times when you get home from work and you just don't even have the energy to chop a vegetable. So you can just pop everything into a blender and you've got a soup made in minutes. So there's instant things. I've given lots of cheats, like pre stuff that you can buy in jars, like the peppers or, um, you know, tin tomatoes, um, pre-cooked pulses, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I've given lots of simple cheats because I just wanted to, again, I just think healthy eating suddenly become this sort of pressurized environment yeah. and a bit fuddy Something else to do. and people like, see it as a, as a chore and a burden. And I know that not everyone's going to love cooking as much as you and I do or get so much pleasure from yeah. it as we do. But um, I still think that if we can take away that sort of mentality that it's a chore and actually show people that you can still have a really, really delicious. And obviously nourishing. I think everything's delicious, but it's, 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 you know, it is they're nourishing recipes. So it started with the toast. Um, and then there's lots of slow cooker recipes because I really, use my slow cooker a lot especially in winter and especially if I've got a you know a glut of vegetables from the garden I just love the idea that you can pop it all in leave it for six hours come back and you've got many 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 meals made and I freeze in individual portions and you're definitely a batch cooker I'm a huge batch cooker I always have been I mean for for a really long time I can't get into my head turning on an oven and not filling it yeah. not making not, like why why <laughs> yeah. turn I can't on the oven to two. cook one thing yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'll always cook for three other meals ahead yeah. and I'll always cook more what was, so what that I've got leftovers 
What were the? There was about four, yeah, well, like so five I made or six some pies. Fish or, pies. Oh. Um, so I, yeah, just the <laughs> other day, I not food in your freezer. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> and again, I'm always cooking for my daughter because I, I try and eat with her as much as possible. But at the moment, because I've been out promoting my book, a lot of those things are evening events. Yeah. So it's just helpful to have a meal that's ready, that you know, available for her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll, 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 I'm a big batch cooker. So there's loads of those kind of recipes in the book because I even think, you know, this book isn't meant for families. It's meant for anyone. Yeah. And so even if you're just cooking for yourself, you can make these recipes and have the leftovers for lunch the next day or pop it in the freezer. Yeah. Um, so I'm a very practical cook. I mean, we're you very are. 1950s housewife <laughs> going back to sort of domestic appliances here, but domestic appliances, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. My brain's it's not It's the working. end of the week. Yeah. Um, uh, and then obviously I think that um, a, a huge part of healthy eating is sharing food with loved ones, whether that's friends, family. Um, I think that it's, again, going back to our social and emotional health. So there's lots and lots of recipes in the book that I think are, are sort of for sharing yeah. with friends and family, whether it's, you know, a lovely lazy lunch at the weekend. Um, so hopefully there's something for everyone. Like I say, they're made with nourishment at their heart, but they are incredibly simple, yes. as it says on the cover. Amazing. Well, you should be like it is, go- and it's gorgeously shot. It's like the the dishes look beautiful. Oh, do you work with? Thank do you, you work with the same photographer? Oh, yes. Yeah, so Susan I, Bell has okay. done um, my last three books, and we, she's just very calm, and we get on so well. And um, this this one in particular, it was it was like a really dreamy girl team. We were all here. I love we that. had dappled sunshine in early spring, and the, kind of the, everyone just moved in for three weeks, and it was just this really lovely. Girl, like girls yeah, power time and we had a lovely girl called Louie Waller who did all the props and oh, I every oh god mm. every few days just amazing props would yeah. arrive and I was just in heaven um, looking through them all so I think you know all of those things uh, create a beautiful book so yeah. it was definitely a, a group girl power collaboration yeah. not just me but it was lovely because that's when that's when the book starts to come to life and they're all of my recipes that I've been making at home and then suddenly the girls are making them and trying them and testing them. And every day they were like, oh, this is lovely. Oh, this is lovely. Yeah. So then that's when I started to feel excited yeah. and like, oh, yes. Okay, yeah. this is good. This is good. <laughs> and then what was the kind of gestation period between like mm-hmm. having signed off all the recipes and how long did you have to wait till you got to kind of hold that first copy? Yeah, I think it's about six months. Yeah. Uh, six to eight months, I think. Yeah, it's a long time, isn't it? it? Is. You have to just let go it and is. just wait. It's that moment when, you, when you've told like final edits, yeah. you can't change anymore uh, and I just always think oh no I'm yeah. not prepared yeah there's but, always something I damn it I should have done that thankfully with this one so far I haven't had a single report of an, a, a problem you know a mistake Amazing. a typo or anything so I'm really relieved I think uh, I took I took <laughs> I never thought that oh no because there was a couple in my first one there was lots don't which tell just, anyone <laughs> <laughs> but they've told me my god I've oh, been god. I've, I've been told about it um but no, with this one, I think because I did take my time over it because it was all through this period of becoming a mother and, and um, I, di- I just didn't want to rush it. Yeah. So when you're not kind of whipping up a feast in your own kitchen, where do you go out to eat? Where do you like to eat out? Oh, God. I mean, we're terrible because we live in the countryside. We tend guess our friends come and stay with us a lot so yeah. it's usually me cooking. Um, but we've got some really lovely country pubs and yeah. I have to say I'm quite a simple Eater. I don't really enjoy fussy 
fancy smart restaurants. I think I'm it's the same. not my cup of tea yeah. at all. I mean, I know that there's some really sophisticated, clever things, but I, I don't really like that. I like really simple, good, yeah. good local home cooked food type thing. Yeah. Um, also, I'd probably say you, that the River Cafe, yeah. I mean, you know, Ruth Rogers, that style, I just... I'm so inspired by her and and that kind of food. I mean, I don't go there very often. It's definitely a treat. Um, in fact, we went there the night before I gave birth to my daughter, which was a real treat. I, I don't think I could move, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> How much did you eat? Or just from the pregnancy? It was just the pregnancy. Okay. It was just an enormous baby. I feel like I've just, I've been there before. I like to go to places where if I've eaten too much, I could get away with undoing like your top button yeah. and really relaxing into it. And in those kind of the posher places, you just you can't don't really, feel, yeah. yeah, you can't get away with that. But I am funny. I do like a white tablecloth. I do like a, a, a pretty table Linen, setting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like I like nice glasses. I like it to look pretty and cared for. Yeah. So um, yeah. So anyway, going back to where do we eat? So again, we just haven't been going out that much because we're still in those early stages of having child of having a child. Yeah. Um, so I'm grappling. There's either like you go conveniently, where's local, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it's that's good. your spot. Yeah. Um, but and I need to get I need to get more adventurous, get out and get about out a bit there. more. Do you ever find, like would you go to the Walsley or something for breakfast for a oh, treat yes. or like go and that just is somewhere a real, to have yeah that's a real treat. Um, I always feel like all oh, the Delaunay is a bit calmer, but just the Walsley just has yes. that kind of buzz. We went there for my daughter's second birthday. Actually, it was really lovely. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Or I, tea cakes yeah yeah and I'm trying to think I mean I'm sure that there's loads of places but I'm just not very they're not in the forefront of my no, mind I really need to get east like I'm excited about the food stuff going on there I, I need will to come I to will, your yeah, part of come town to Hackney Way there's plenty going on yeah and for pasta yeah. like I think there is something there's a, like such charm in like I love sitting at a counter and just watching the chefs cook oh, and just glass of wine like that's our kind it's of go-to joy. Day. Yeah. yeah yeah I agree there's something very special about that and in terms of kind of food influences do you are you drawn to kind of any like Asian or Italian like it's Italian is kind of yeah I love it I love I love Italian I mean I'm definitely sort of Mediterranean yeah this, because a good olive oil like yeah, is, it, is oh, a thing yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and yes, I, then I would say probably sort of Asian. I love that, you know, the fusion. I love chili. Yeah. I love garlic. What's your go-to spice? spice? Yeah. Like what's your, say, top three? Oh my God. I mean, I, I add chili flakes to everything. Isn't it? It's yeah, like, a, it's an addiction. Love it. And then I'm obsessed with coriander. That's not really a, a spice, is it? No, I'm but obsessed. that's, I can yeah, add, delicious. I mean, I add coriander to my eggs at breakfast. I just yeah. love coriander. I do. Uh, but I know it's really divides Divisive. people, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, some people it's like soap water or yeah um I'm trying to think. I always feel Harissa is a good one for like oh a God, quick love hit Harissa. of flavor. Yeah. I've always got a jar of Harissa in On the, the fridge. Homemade and then pesto. preserved lemons. Yes. I'm obsessed with preserved lemons. Yeah. They're just, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, turmeric. I add a lot of turmeric to my cooking. Of course. Mm-hmm. And are you kind of all for a turmeric latte? Would you go that far? Or? No, I'm just not interested in that at all. Beetroot I latte, don't mushroom I just latte. Don't, <laughs> just don't get it yeah. at all. And and I just like I'm just not into juices. I'm not into smoothies. I'm not into that kind of thing. I'm just if I'm going to have a coffee, I'd like a really good coffee. Yeah. And I'm a cup of tea girl, and that's kind of it with me. Water and wine. Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's this. It's just keep really simplifying, yeah. keeping things simple and yeah. well done. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Um, so in terms of your career, what would you consider the biggest achievement today? Oh, my books, definitely. The I mean, books. all of them. Yeah. I mean, it's such a. Uh, it sounds really cheesy, but it, I, I, it's such a privilege to get to have the opportunity to do books and be supported by these 
you know, publishers and have all these teams and meet all these incredible people. Yeah. And I think, you know, to get out and about and meet people that that say, oh my God, I cook that recipe every single week. I love it. Or that book really changed my relationship with food. It's, it, you know, it, it's just something I'm so proud of and so grateful to have had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, of course. Um, you've probably kind of answered this question, but what really pushes you forward and, and kind of drives you on to the next thing? And I really... It sounds really like puritanical, but I just um, I, I just keep wanting to reach more people and help people understand the importance and the value of healthy eating. And so for me, you know, the wider amount of people I can reach, I sort of I, I sort of I think healthy eating has become um, maybe something that people think is only for the privileged. Right. And I sort of I just I still think that there's so much work to be done, whether it's working with the NHS, whether it's. Um, I don't know, just getting more stuck in and, and trying to maybe help food brands yeah. uh, embrace healthier um, options with, yeah. with the food that they're making. But I just, I just, I still care that, that people eat healthy food, but also that, of course, that people can still really enjoy and have a really nourishing, nurturing relationship with food. That's absolutely still my passion. Yeah. And I read this also that um, your books have been closed, like for years, like you're at maximum capacity in terms of clients. Is that still true? Um, yeah, I've definitely <laughs> yep. slowed down. <laughs> well, I've, sl- I sl- I've slowed down impressive. with seeing clients. I think it got to a point that it was just, it, it just reached saturation. I just couldn't cope anymore with the, right. with, I, I mean, I needed to just employ a whole team and, and that was taking me in a direction that didn't really feel right for me or I wasn't ready to at the time. Right. Um, and since having my daughter and doing the books, um, you know, I've taken a step back, but I still support lots and lots of my existing clients and I really love working with clients. And so I think that that's probably something I'll start to get back into in the next few years yeah. um, because and, and, and maybe look at ways that I can work, you know, in more widely, because yeah. obviously when you work one on one with a client, it takes up huge amounts of time. There's only so many people you can work with. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 actually what I'm best at. It's what I'm trained to do. Yeah. And it's it's something that I've really been missing. Yeah. What one piece of advice do you think is crucial for other people wanting to make a significant change to their diet and approach to their well-being? What is that first step? It's just so different for everyone because, like I say, when you work one-on-one with someone, you meet them where they're at. Right. So, whether you know, some people really are quite clued up about healthy eating nowadays and they, yeah. they come to me and they've got a pretty much perfect diet and actually I'll end up saying, you need to work on the other areas, like you're just not getting enough sleep and that's why you're struggling right. to lose weight or your hormones are out of whack. Um, I suppose, uh, oh gosh, I just, I wish Maybe that I had. Maybe it's your positive nutrition. Maybe it's just add in. Start by adding in. Actually, yeah. Print off my positive nutrition pyramid from my website, which is free and available for everyone. It's just a simple tick box triangle. And it's how our day ideally should look. Right. Because I think we've ha- we've got the eat well plate, which shows per plate, but it's not really showing what a full day could look okay. like. Um, so I think when people start to fill out the positive nutrition pyramid on a, you know, over the course of a week, it very quickly becomes apparent to them where their diet is lacking. Okay. And so often maybe people aren't eating enough fruit or they're just not drinking enough water. Maybe they just don't manage to get enough protein into their diet, which is so important, especially for people that want to lose weight, which I know is what drives a lot of people towards healthy eating. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. maybe, they're, maybe they're missing out on crucial fats because maybe they're still a bit hungover with, you know, being fat free. So I think my positive nutrition pyramid is a really healthy place for people to start and it really helps them to get connected with 
the areas that they need need yeah. to focus on. I think so because also in my mind I'm like I eat pretty you know I eat pretty well and then all of a sudden as soon as you kind of start doing that type of thing or really looking at actually what you're consuming you're like oh there's yeah. gaps or yeah. you know you can see where you're yeah. maybe falling short and of course it's called positive nutrition it's not meant to ever make people feel bad if they're not eating perfectly it's just meant to sort of be a positive way of highlighting to them areas that they could improve on and yeah. I always say it doesn't matter if you have a bagel or a glass of wine or a bottle of wine or a chocolate bar or a pizza you know you can write those on the pa- piece of paper but you've just got to understand that they're not contributing towards your nutrition yeah and you know that essential nutrients are called essential because our bodies can't make them we need to eat them right and if we're eating a processed or you know ultra processed diet we're not going to be getting the essential nutrients so it's not shaming and blaming and saying focus on the bad things yeah. there's there's always a place for them in our life as i've said before but it's understanding that we need these essential nutrients in order for us to thrive and i think that they, they, that just constantly gets forgotten about yeah. with with food because we're just maybe a bit disconnected or just a bit too busy yeah Okay, so before we talk sandwich, before we get to the really important stuff, um, what is next for you? Um, well, I'm really excited to be working with Limewood Hotel. Um, they have um, made me their wellness expert. So it's a really exciting, isn't it? Yes. And I just love that they really get it. They really want to make sure that as a hotel, they're providing the best wellness options for their guests, but they're not trying to ram it down people's throats. It's sort of, it's here if you want it. Yeah. Um, and so that's just a lovely collaboration. I've just so enjoyed working with Angela Hartnett. And I bet that's Luke, the dream. Tell me about that. Uh, Luke Holder. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they've just been so, graceful and charming and really embraced um, everything that I've taught them about nutrition and in fact Luke's changed the way that he feeds all of the staff at Limewood now because it just made so much sense to him so they're just a joy to work with especially because they care so much about the produce and where it's from and obviously it's all as locally sourced as possible so that's been a hugely exciting collaboration and I just love we're doing seasonal menus um, throughout the year and then I'm doing my first ever three-day retreat there in fact there's two we've just launched some other dates because the first one sold out so quickly so um, we're doing sort of full body retreats because I really want people to be immersed in the things that I think are really important to wellness which is really good quality rest good quality movement amazing food and sort of connection and and bringing it all together so there's lots of um, you know workshop modules and lots of cooking obviously incredible food lovely meditation walking through the woods so I'm just really looking forward to those I think they're going to be an incredible experience and then I'm also doing lots of cooking demos there and uh, other themed workshops so it's I'm I'm so excited about it Um, and uh, yeah, there's a few other things coming up that haven't quite confirmed yet. Okay. So it's exciting. But um, I'll also be bringing um, my first ever masterclass Ooh. to people soon. Amazing. So, yeah. And is that within food and cookery or is that very much kind of focused on the nutrition and well-being? It's all about nutrition okay. and well-being. Amazing. Because yeah, that's really, you know, what I what I'm about. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I will be looking out for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we should talk about your sandwich. Yes. Um each week on the podcast, I ask my guests to whip up a sandwich, their go-to sandwich, their favorite sandwich. People, it's been divisive. I mean, it's really difficult. <laughs> it's it's really difficult because it's so emotive, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm so driven by my mood. Yeah. I've been through about 20 different options of what sandwich to make you. It's been quite stressful. <laughs> no, it wasn't meant to be stressful. No, no, no. I mean, I was sort of thinking about my whole experience with sandwiches. I remember as a kid, my dad used to make incredible crisp sandwiches. In fact, I think it's the first meal I ever remember him Amazing. making. I remember going camping with him and him just giving me this big white butty with butter. Oh, with butter, salad of course. Cream? We didn't have salad cream. No, it was just butter. <laughs> 
and salt and vinegar crisps and I just can still taste it it was awesome yeah um, and I probably don't make that kind of sandwich these days I would have um, loved it if you did that would have thrown you like a sharing a huge bag of like Doritos or something in a pizza <laughs> but I think like you just can't go wrong with really good egg mayo I love egg mayonnaise yeah. but I am quite a greedy person like I can't bear a simple sandwich I, ha- I have to have lots going on in my sandwich and yeah. loads of flavors that needs to be really packed full and of course because I do approach everything with nourishment at its heart at my heart um I'm always thinking like how to get in you know more nutrients so for me it has to be colorful and I want to make sure that I'm getting lots of fiber and vegetables and stuff in so today I decided to make you a sandwich from the hero topping section of my book because I thought well that's a nice thing to do and obviously with simplicity very much the forefront of, of everything I'm doing at the moment because I'm promoting the book and talking about the book and trying to show people how simple healthy eating can be. Yes. Um, I thought I'd show you the sort of simple, simple sandwich that you can make that's, yeah. you know, full of nourishing ingredients, but all just available from the from the cupboard. Yeah. So you have got a wholemeal pita bread that I keep in the freezer yeah. and just take them out as and when. Um, I pop that in the toaster and then I had some hummus, which obviously you can buy or you can make if you've got the yeah. time. So there's hummus in there, which is your protein source, and it's also a great source of fiber. And then I've put in some bagged lettuce. So I'd usually rocket or lamb's lettuce would yeah. be my go-to. And then we've got some cooked peppers from a jar. I love Brindisa, the Spanish yes. brand. I'm just obsessed with their products. Yeah. Um, and the, the, I don't know why, but they just taste amazing. Extra and they're only in good quality olive oil. There's yeah. no other rubbish in there. Um, and then topped with some toasted pumpkin seeds. I mean, simple, simple. Yeah, but you've but got the textures in there as well. Exactly. It's like not you've too sloppy or like you've got the crunch. You've got a bit of crunch and you've got your vegetables, you've got your fiber, you've got your protein, you've got your healthy fat. Boom. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This has been so, yeah, this has been so lovely to sit and talk to you in your kitchen, in your gorgeous kitchen. Um, thank you so much Likewise. and good luck. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks. 